Welcome to the Triple Option Pass with Ryan Gregory and Devin Voss, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. the triple option pass podcast i am co-host Devin voss and i'm here with my other co-host ryan gregory how are we doing today ryan coming to you from the rona zone baby i have been on quarantine since last saturday because i got the damn virus so i've had nothing but free time and so i've been murdering a lot of ncaa 14 how about you buddy how are you doing you just made that sound like the splash zone or some some shit like <laughs> like it's a fun place to visit. Come to the Rona Zone. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm having a fine time. I'm I'm asymptomatic, so I'm just chilling, eating, playing video games. No suffering on my part. Hey, it's quite quite the life. Yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing fine. You know, just just cooking through school, getting pissed off at college football. You know the whole drill. As we do, yep. Yeah, so honestly, we're just we're just gonna jump right in. Uh, so I, I gotta say, without further ado, even though it doesn't fit in here, uh, <laughs> the Big Ten today, we got some big news. We're recording on December 9th for uh, any future reference here. So this is the day that the Big Ten announced that they would be erasing the rule that you have to play a minimum of six games to get into the Big Ten championship which essentially has uh, blocked IU from getting in despite their loss to Ohio State and is going to open the door for them to meet Northwestern there in two weeks. Correct. And the big question here, right, would they have done this for any other Big Ten school? Oh, absolutely not. No way. You can guarantee if – Oh, let's pick a name out of a hat. Um, let's say Maryland would have gone on a tear this season and they uh, and they upset IU or something like that, and they're undefeated, but uh, but didn't play enough games. There's no, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that they make rules exceptions for Maryland. But I think it's important to note also that like Ohio State is the face of the Big Ten, and so this isn't like a like an this is a, exactly the 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 opposite situation here. This isn't IU going undefeated and we have to make rules for them. This is the team that we recognize as a top five team nationally and is the face of the brand. So as much as I hate kind of the hypocrisy here, I kind of see where they're coming from. Where are your thoughts on it? Right. And this is, this is the thing. I'm not sitting here saying they're undeserving. We both know Ohio State is one of the best five teams in the country. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, is how annoying is it that the Buckeyes just always catch a break about something. It's always something. Always annoying is annoying is the best term for it because like they beat IU fair and square, which is the number one challenger for them to not win the East. So I mean, like there there's not a lot you can point to besides just like the here we go again. Ohio State gets this path paid paid for them. Right, right. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm not even sitting here like on the IU train saying, you know, IU should be in. I mean, yes, they should have been if they would have played another game, but obviously that game got canceled as well. Uh, it's it's just more of the fact that, you know, 2014, they jumped TCU and Baylor to get in the college football playoff. 2016, they impossibly, impossibly 2016 is ridiculous. <laughs> jump into the college football playoff over Penn State, who beat them and won the dang big t- 10 championship yeah that one was brutal and now it's it's this and it's it's less so the fact that they're undeserving and more so the fact that big 10 is bending the rules for them is is that's just the main part of it it's it's just that i would have been fine if they would have said okay ohio state's going to you know the big 10 championship i'd say sit here and say yeah that makes sense they obviously are the best team in the east they beat all the opponents in the east including iu who is the best competitor 
but it's just the fact that they have to bend the rules and cater to them to get into the championship that that is just annoying to me. Yeah, I'm fine with Ohio State being the best team in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country. Like that's just kind of understood at this point. But it, it does get on your nerves a little bit how it's um how they're getting shoehorned in. And uh it 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 just feels less earned and genuine. And and again, there's two sides to every coin. What can Ohio State do about this? I mean, like half of their games got canceled for them, not by any of their wrongdoing. So I mean, there's a lot of politics that go into this that I'm not sure that there'll ever be a consensus that everyone's happy with, but, but here we are, Ohio state's going to just ether Northwestern in the the big 10 championship and is probably going to be making their way to the uh, playoff. Yeah, that that I could probably agree with. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe, uh, it's going to be bad, bro. (laughs) Maybe, maybe the defense shows up or, Maybe Peyton Ramsey has the game of his life, but chances are it's just not going to happen. Northwestern just lost to Michigan State. I don't think <laughs> I don't think that we're going to see an upset special here. To be fair, uh, never mind. I can't even say that because Ohio State just obliterated Michigan State. So whatever. Um, moving on, we will jump to this thing that, as I as I explained to Ryan <laughs> before this podcast i just have in all caps there's there's nothing about it it's just all caps eight and two iowa state jumped undefeated cincinnati bunch of question marks bunch of exclamation points what is up with this I welcome mean, to the I bitching hour <laughs> everything that it. isn't group of five we're bitching <laughs> iowa state <laughs> they beat oklahoma and texas but you and I both know, we damn know, both of those programs are not the same this year. And that's not even to say Texas is anything because they're always shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Texas is even like a quality conference win anymore. I mean, like half the time Kansas beats them. So I don't know if that can even be a fair <laughs> argument anymore. <laughs> and I'm sitting here looking and since he's obviously undefeated, they've beaten all of the best teams in the American Athletic Conference. And I'm just so mad. Since he is a top 10 defense in the NCAA and the number 21 offense in the country, and they're just getting so shit on it. What? I don't even know why I'm mad. Like, this is just something that I should expect by the committee by now because yeah. I've seen it happen so many years in a row by this point. But I'm just so mad because this team is so deserved. If I, if UCF was deserving, Cincinnati is just as deserving as them this year. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I would like to come in defense, not entirely of the committee's decision, but in defense of Iowa State, because I think that they're a really good football team. Um, I understand that they lost to they've lost two games already. One was to what you and I can agree is one of the best group of five teams in Louisiana. And it was also like week one and that offense it's, it's not a coastal Carolina level difficult, but it's difficult to prepare for. Like that is a pretty aggressive spread that they're running down there in uh, Louisiana, uh, coupled with two future pros at running back. So when they do run it, they do it pretty well. I mean, there's no shame in losing that game. And then uh, losing to Oklahoma State pre uh, them getting destroyed by injuries. Like, I'm pretty sure, sure Chuba played in that game. I think Sanders was 100%. So, I'm, there's no shame in losing that uh, Oklahoma State game either. But right. since then, I mean, SP Plus loves them. They're 11th in, in total, uh, 12th in offense and 14th in defense. And for a Big 12 team, 4th in SP uh, plus, I know that we've talked all season about like Oklahoma State being like the quote unquote defense first team and like breaking the mold in the Big 12, but Iowa State's done it much better and with a better offense. So, I mean, I think that they're, that I might regret this, I think that they're the best team in the Big 12, and I, I expect them to beat uh, Oklahoma again in, in two weeks. But I, I've just seen a lot of things that I've liked out of them since that uh, Oklahoma State loss. And Brock Purdy's back to playing up to his standard. Not not great, but he's playing well. Brees Hall has probably a 
a Heisman argument. He should probably end up in New York if they do the if they do the thing in person, that is. But the Big 12 as a whole is just kind of a shit show right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you did you watch any of the TCU Oklahoma State game on Saturday? Why would I do that to myself? I watched the whole second half, and let me tell you, like I mentioned earlier with uh, Oklahoma State having the defense thing anymore, it's time to absolutely strip them of that conversation of being like, ooh, Gundy's going against the grain, and he's uh, he's going defense first. Max Duggan <laughs> threw for 265 and a touchdown and rushed for 100 yards and two touchdowns. If Max Duggan is absolutely just ripping through your defense like that, it, <laughs> I get us the Pac-12 man, or not the Pac-12, the Big 12 man, but it's Max Duggan at TCU where their whole thing is defense. So I don't want to hear it about how Oklahoma State's figured it out. <laughs> Someone who has figured it out is Spencer Rattler over there in Oklahoma. Ooh, boy. I'm, I'm, if I'm like a Texas, I'm horrified that he's around for at least two more years <laughs> for, for Oklahoma because he was – He's been spinning that damn thing recently. That's and fair. so I hope Iowa State can bring their A game for that uh, Big 12 championship because I've, Oklahoma's back to a scary level of offensive production that we that we definitely didn't see earlier earlier in the season. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what could potentially be a really fun shootout or or Iowa State could pretty easily let that get away from them and we could have one of the one of the weirdest uh, Big Twelve seasons that we've seen in a while in, in a minute, and that's saying something because that's always that conference is always up for grabs. Yeah, that's totally fair, and you know the the whole Cincy thing. It's it's not even anything against Iowa State. Like it, I swear, right. <laughs> I, I have nothing against Iowa State. They've looked great this year, minus their two losses. I mean, they they look like a legit team. As Ryan, I mean, they lost by out, three to Oklahoma State. I, I think right. they looked fairly good in that. They just right. Lost the turnover battle there. Yeah, exactly. And and as my lovely co-host just pointed out, all of the facts going in Iowa State's favor. I'm just saying, I just hate this freaking committee bias and and dis discrediting American athletic teams. It's it's just I'm just fatigued from it, man. I am. Yeah, just, dis- despite me taking the the side of defending Iowa State, I'm I still don't think that's a good enough resume to be over Cincinnati. Let's not get that twisted. I still think Cincinnati is deserving of being probably top six right now. They should be they should be first two teams out. I agree with that, and they've they've not given any indication as to why they shouldn't be. There's none. Absolutely. Yeah, for, the, for those not. of you follow for, for uh, oopsie. For those of you following along at home, uh top six right now as it stands, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State in. First two out are AM and Florida in that order. AM should State be in Cincy spot. AM should be number eight in the country. I have not seen oh my god. The only reason they're there is because they beat Florida. Yeah, and it it was such a bad showing by Florida too. I think if they replay that game, Florida wins, just because they've kind of figured out their passing game a bit more. Where it's <laughs> just throw it to Pitts or Tony. Let's not waste our time <laughs> trying to spread the ball. Yeah, that's fair. But anyways, back onto this uh, Big Twelve uh, conversation. Yeah, it, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, that Big Twelve championship game because. It's definitely a great opportunity for Iowa State to kind of assert themselves in a Big 12 that, as you said, it's always been up for grabs, uh, at least in the recent years. Um, and, to, and to face Oklahoma uh, again, and if you're able to prove once again that you could beat them, I'd, I I mean, I have no doubts that you're a legit team by that point. Um Especially with Oklahoma, because as you noted, Oklahoma has actually looked pretty great uh, as of late, and I think I think Rattlers finally kind of started to settle in. Uh, the the early season turnovers and all of that jazz that you know stirred up around the college football news it, it was definitely notable during that time. But in my in my mind, it was just you know a rookie making rookie mistakes. 
Uh, it's never easy for a rookie to come in, especially, you know, in this weird year with coronavirus and, you know, not having a lot of practice, what's whatnot, even though he sat last year, I suppose. But it, it's just the whole point of he's finally getting settled in. And as you said, if I'm a big 12 team, I'm looking a little worried to see the fact that Rattler is going to be there for at least another two years. That's that's going to be spicy. Yeah. So in, in Rattler's last five games, he's only thrown two picks. To let's do the math here, two, six, seven, not eleven touchdowns to two picks in his last five games, and that includes a four touchdown zero pick outing against Oklahoma State on the twenty first of November. So I mean, oh, like the like the song, <laughs> that's hilarious. But anyways, he's he's really turned it around, and the thing is, we always knew he could put up the numbers, but the one number we didn't want to see anymore was in that interception column and he's finally got it figured out. He threw one against Kansas, which is pretty, pretty bad, but they also won 62 to nine. So I'm sure yeah. that he was just kind of slinging it around without a fear of losing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So yeah, there you go, everybody. That's, that's kind of the big outrage of the week there. Uh, we'll now transition on to actual uh game analysis, discussing games and the first game we're definitely going to break down is our top special of the week. Actually, our top special of the year. Coastal Carolina defeats BYU 22-17. to May I say, Coastal Carolina hangs on to defeat BYU 22-17. to BYU is two yards away. I hope all of you who listen to this podcast watch this game. BYU is two yards away from the game-winning score with time expiring. He couldn't couldn't reach out far enough. He was a very, very lost and or was it? No, sorry. They were in St. Louis. They were in St. Louis. Okay. Very St. Louis Rams esque play uh, in the Super Bowl. It was, it was a very fun game though. It was definitely a defensive defensive game, but it was a great game. Oh, absolutely. And let's, let's first of all, before we get into all the, what this means, breaking down the rest of the game, Let's talk about that last possession because it was the – I know everybody right now is talking about Jamie Chadwell as being like a future like SEC coach and like they sh- somebody should scoop him up. But you can't manage a game much worse down the line than what Coastal did. And like all, all props to them. They won the game. They played, they played fantastic for, you know, f- three quarters and most of the last one. But the play before they almost get in the end zone, Coastal drops – they drop eight, rush three, and even with that many guys deep, they gave they gave up that like twenty five yard out route that was just wide open to yep. eat to eat into a position where Wilson didn't have to uncork a throw, and it was just like a normal throw for him. They just gave him that with about six seconds left. Yep, just kind of <laughs> it's hard to explain your thought processes there. Where like. I get not giving up the score, but there was obviously time for two plays. You had to figure they were going for something sideline centric yep. and BYU just dotted them for a big gain. And then the immediate next play, I mean, like it's hard to play that wrong besides like parking everybody on the, on the goal line and saying, don't let anybody pass, but man, uh, <laughs> letting them get that close to winning yeah. seemed it's just so dangerous to play football like that, especially against a potent offense like BYU's. And so I, yeah. I say pump the brakes on, on Jamie Chadwell being the next SEC head coach. Cause like you do that shit against Bama, you're losing every time you do that shit against <laughs> any, any higher level SEC team. You're losing that game because they're, they have a hell of a lot better athletes at wide receiver than BYU does. Yeah, you could you could pump the brakes on him going to the SEC, but he's he is rightfully deserving of going to some Power Five school. Whether I'm not sure where, but uh, if that's even if that even ends up being something favorable, I gotta assume he's getting hired this offseason. But uh, yeah, you'd think. Yeah, you'd definitely think, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, I think I think really uh, this game probably would have been a lot more high scoring had you know the two teams been able to get tape on one another going into this week. This was a very yeah, last minute. Yeah. Short. It is a very last minute thrown together game. And so, you know, you get this just 
just battle really just defensive battle neither team really knows what's gonna get what's gonna exactly. happen and uh and really you look at the stat sheet and you're like wow it, like you you almost questioned like <laughs> how did BYU lose this game yeah um, honestly they they definitely were favorable in in most statistical categories but at the end of the day coastal wins and I gotta say this this had to be this is the biggest win in coastal Carolina history, right? Is oh hundred percent. Is that right? Yeah. And this replaces the biggest win in their school's history from earlier this season when they beat Louisiana. Absolutely. It's been a hell of a season for Coastal. <laughs> a heck of a season and, and you really love to see it. I mean Zach Wilson does what did what Zach Wilson does. You know, he's 19 to 30, 240 yards, one one touchdown, one interception, which is rare uh, this year for him, but it happens. And, um, you know, Coastal puts up nine in the second half to BYU's three, uh, even though BYU led 14 to 13 and a half. It's it just a, a – it was I can't say a sloppy game, but it was just a hard-nosed game where, you know, two teams just – didn't do, didn't have much time to prepare for each other. And this was the result. Uh, it kind of seemed like BYU is the winner a little bit. Uh, obviously they didn't win, but you know, two yards short, I don't know, but regardless coastal wins and they jumped to number 13 in the standings, uh, basically just replaced BYU. I think they just flipped, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What was shocking about this game was, uh, it was won and lost as games where, like, you don't really know much about your opponent as they did. I mean, they had three days of prep, not even that. It was it was won in the trenches, and I mean that as far as O-line and D-line goes. And BYU, obviously a lot bigger and a lot more future pros, or at least potential pros on both sides of the ball. And Coastal's front seven was incredible in this game defensively. They were in Zach Wilson's face, and they had him moving like he hasn't at all this season. And I get that he's been playing Texas state and UTSA, but they, they had him uncomfortable for probably the first time this season. And while he still did make some of those throws, that's making him a first round draft prospect. He still was very obviously affected by some of, some of that pressure as the game wore down and offensively, I thought coastal was in over their heads. I mean, you heard the announcer say it over and over in the game how like their center's five eight and their tallest O lineman <laughs> is like is like six two, but but damn it if they didn't make some holes for him, like yeah. Coastal ran for like I think it was like two hundred and eighty yards on him, yeah on and I thought the the whole game was going to be like uh, BYU's defense showing up and then they'd eventually win because that you know they have a first round quarterback, but. Damn, Coastal brought it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I was I was just really impressed by how they're obviously lower lower uh, rated recruits there, but they've just been coached up so well. So I guess there is that that's a plus to good old Chadwell's coaching resume. Is like he he's making lemonade out of lemons there, where he's he's getting the most out of that local production that maybe wasn't that highly rated out of high school. Absolutely, and you love to see it. You truly do. You love to see. Coastal Carolina uh, up to 30. I'm pretty sure at this point, most college football fans are rooting for this team. Uh, oh, yeah. They're America's team right now. Yeah. They're just the, you know, the little engine that could. And the, damn it, they're doing it. <laughs> they are absolutely doing it. And uh, you truly do love to see it. So um, may I tangent for a second on the remainder of Coastal season? Yeah, Absolutely. So next up, they have Troy. This is a pushback from, I forget when in the season. I think they were supposed to play mid-November, but it got postponed. Troy's having a super down year, and like Steve Campbell might mess around and get fired. Or no, no I'm sorry. Steve Campbell was the head coach of uh, uh, South Alabama who got fired because Troy beat them. But Troy's head coach might mess around and get fired this season just because they're an uncharacteristic 5-5. Five and five. They lost to mid-Tennessee State. Uh, Chip Lindsay Chip Lindsay's their coach's name I couldn't think of it uh, he, he was at one time the Sun Belts like one of their best coaches and now he's probably going to end up getting fired which is just brutal 
Uh, in 10 games for Troy this season, no running back over 500 yards and only one wide receiver, Kalen Geiger with 649 is over 500. So the offense has been, to put it kindly, horrific, and they're getting held in games by their defense. And so that does not bode well for, for good old Troy against Coastal. <laughs> so Coastal's going to ride into that championship game against Louisiana undefeated. It's already been yes. confirmed. Both, yes. both Louisiana and Coastal have locked their spots in the championship. Rematch, baby. The rematch. So in the first meeting, Coastal had 38 minutes of possession compared to, to the Raging Cajuns' 21. <laughs> and, That's huge. Uh, Coastal ran 72 plays to, to Louisiana's 55. And Coastal Ooh. played pretty much a perfect game. Zero turnovers, one sack, one QB hurry that wasn't a sack. And so that's the two like main things there for Coastal, which has been their mainstay as like a, a hybrid triple team, is they're going to hold on to the damn ball. So it's just, it's just going to come down to uh, avoiding turnovers. And Lafayette... Not Lafayette, I'm sorry. Oopsie. <laughs> Louisiana Lafayette? Louisiana. Oh, Oopsie. no. <laughs> Louisiana just had a really impressive win over Appalachian State, which in any other year would be top-of-the-line news for the Sun Belt, but Coastal's kind of hogging the, the the spotlight right now. And I'm really looking forward to that game. A, a rematch where they already have, like, in-person experience with one another. It's going to be a great game. You raised the Cajuns. You just got called your formal name. I don't know how long it's been since you've been called your formal name, but he just he just dropped yeah. you down to like that feels bad I'm, to the I, to the I lowly Sunbelt level. He just really pushed you down the ranks, called I you Louisiana bad. Lafayette. I wrote wow. Lafayette in my notes instead of Louisiana, so <laughs> it, it was like it was bad. <laughs> and he just pushed you all the way down to freaking. FCS ranking. I don't know what that was about, but regardless, um, <laughs> actually, you know, we might as well move on to another blunder of a finish. Oh, oh I know where this is going. Goodness, Louisiana. What the heck? You mean Marshall? No, no. I, we'll get to Marshall, but I, I'm going to start at Louisiana, Louisiana first. Louisiana beats App State 24 to 21 to improve to yep. 9 and 1. But we need to go through the sequence of this game. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. So the the Rage Occasions, they found themselves in another exciting finish. They've been doing this to themselves. I don't know how many times this this season, but they've just had these close games. And App State leads throughout the first half. They they pretty much control the whole time. They they end up ten to nine at halftime. Um and then Louisiana takes over in the second half. And it's like, okay, here's here's the Raging Cajuns that uh, you know, most people have seen they they quickly get up to twenty four to ten, and all of a sudden it it all just starts falling apart. App scores, right? That's that's normal. But App scores uh, makes it twenty four seventeen, and then App forces a safety to make it twenty four to nineteen. Now here's the thing: I'd say forces a safety is a stretch. <laughs> so <laughs> Levi Lewis just took the, the long fair. snapper issues in this game were so bad that <laughs> Bill Napier was just like, you know what, man? Because I think two or three went over the punter's head. Yeah, yeah, it did. And and what makes it worse is on the, <laughs> on the next Louisiana possession, another safety, two safeties in a game. I need to know how many times two safeties in a game has happened because, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot by this point, but that yeah. is just such a rare thing. And they made it 24-21. They get the ball back, App does. App drives all the way down the field, is in position for a field goal, and they miss with, mm-hmm. the, with the seconds remaining. And in Louisiana escapes unscathed. They survive, but oh my goodness. That so was so uncharacteristic of App. Whew. Yeah, it was too, but that that is just insane ending to a game. What a game. Yeah. That was uh, on Friday night. Yeah. That my heart would have been pounding being on either of those teams because like I can't imagine being on the Louisiana sideline and being like, 
Oh my gosh, what is happening right now? Just seeing your 24-10 lead blow away in like the weirdest way possible. And uh, it, it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. Intentional safeties always blow me away. Like I know it makes sense on paper and like all the stats are saying like that's the correct choice. But watching it happen in real time is <laughs> it, there's nothing more consuming than just being like, Hey, Hey, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. So Louisiana, like we just said, we'll meet coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt championship game. That'll be very fun to watch. We suggest you all watch that and moving on to another, uh, you know, group of five game. We had, this very unfortunate um, game right here. I need someone to play like the sad tiny violin. <laughs> Rice defeated Marshall 20 to zero. Um, I'm just going to let Ryan take this one away because Marshall's his squad. So all before you do that, all I can say is just what the hell? What the hell are you doing, Grant Wells? <laughs> what are you doing? And that's all I got to say for now. I see your what the hell, and I will use my one F-word token and raise you a what the fuck, because <laughs> this was a horrendous game from Marshall, dude. And like, and you said everything that needed to be said here. I mean, it, it harkens back to Grant Wells throwing five interceptions on the day. I mean, half of Rice's points came via either directly off of a pick six or because Grant Wells threw a, a pick in his own side of the field. And a couple of his picks were in, like, not exactly a red zone, but, like, plus territory. But, you know, you'll, you'll get a smattering of different spots on the field when you throw five in a game. <laughs> Just horrendous, dude. And, like, also, Brendan Knox didn't really get going on the run game. Rice held him to just a four-yard average, which is far below – what his usual thing is. So it got to a point where Wells had to throw and absolutely could not. And like I mentioned how the app state missing a kick thing was um, not very characteristic of that program. Marshall being in a position where their quarterback three throws three picks and then they're not near being done for the day is <laughs> just nothing like what doc holidays made out there. And so it's, it was shocking to see just how poorly they did. And like Marshall's defense was still outstanding on the yeah. day. It's just their, their offense was not only not helping them, they were actively hurting them. <laughs> so yeah. that's about the only way you can put this uh, to really put a bow on it. Grant Wells with a 4.3 QBR. <laughs> and this is our reminder to all the folks at home that, if you were to just take the snap and throw it in the dirt every time that lands you something in like the 13 range. So he literally would have been a better help to his team. Had he just kneeled every time or just <laughs> thrown it at the feet of every receiver, <laughs> the true sign of a horrendous outing that needs to be washed away immediately. Yeah. And it's the, like you said, it's the defense played spectacular. It's even, it's even to the fact that Marshall, despite the five interceptions outgained rice, 245 yards to 213. And they even had more first downs than rice, a 19 to their 17. But you know, those interceptions obviously hurt and, and really, Rice was smart with the ball. They they dominated the time of possession, 36 to 23. They milked that clock with every single interception. That yeah, hard to, hold, hard to win the, the possession battle when you're throwing a pick every other, every other throw. Exactly, exactly. And and Rice was smart to the ball, with the ball for that credit. And they're able to get points on the board. And yeah, it, it really just circles back around to Grant Wells. There's no other way around it uh very uncharacteristic game for marshall and i do expect them to definitely rebound but just wow one final point on this before we move on from the sad thing i'm gonna get even more sad is <laughs> games like this are they they prove the committee right because 
Marshall was 7-0 and with some impressive wins, including over a good App State team. And they were ranked 19th, I believe, going into the game. And then they just get they just get clobbered by a CUSA team that was that is a notorious uh, basement team yeah. and is never good. And so that just proves the committee right. They're just like, well, you know, it just takes one bad game against a regular team. Why would we ever throw them in the playoff just to get destroyed by one of these great teams? And so it's it's a bad look on the entirety of the group of five and kind of and kind of proves the bad rankings right. And so whenever there's like a, a shocking loss like this by one of the better group of five teams, it's just it's a net loss for everybody, which makes it even more disappointing. Absolutely. And we, we hate to see that here at the top crew we do. But nonetheless, Marshall will rebound. So they'll be back next year. And they probably won't make the playoff, but they'll be back next year. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I would doubt that we'd see them in the playoffs yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Big Ten now, and I'm sorry we got to put you through this, Ryan, but <sighs> IU defeated Wisconsin 14 to 6 behind your boy, Jack Tuttle. Um, really, it wasn't all about Tuttle, but uh, he did step up in Penix's absence. He'd made no mistakes, threw for a Measly 130 yards, two, but but through two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the running game didn't really pick up for the Hoosiers, and I really, before I hand this off to you, I just I just want to say when you look at the team stats of this game, you just scratch your head and ask, how did Wisconsin not win this game? They had 19 first downs uh, to IU's, uh, I think 15. They were eight and sixteen on third down to IU's four and ten. They had three hundred and forty-two total yards to IU's two hundred and seventeen, which, in contrast, two hundred and two passing yards to IU's one thirty and one hundred and forty rushing yards to IU's eighty-seven. And they dominated the time of possession thirty-five to IU's twenty-four. And and really, you know, you, you look at it, you're like, I mean, obviously, if you watch the game, you'd know why as well. But really, what did it was. The two turnovers from Wisconsin, and even more so, the eight penalties resulting in 81 yards. And and to compare that, IU only had one turnover and one penalty for 15 yards. I That's all I could really find as to what it really boils down to, uh, other than just stagnation. <laughs> yep. I'd say the specific that you're looking for here is is like watching the game play by play and also understanding how Wisconsin's offense works. Yep. Because if you, if you look at just like the overall stats, you're just like, well, Mertz didn't play horribly. I mean, 20 of 34, uh, 202 yards, zero touchdowns and one, one pick, which isn't great, but I mean, like you'll have that. Sometimes you just don't get it in the end zone. Yeah. But the way that Wisconsin's offense works is, is they are, Run, 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 pass it we have to, run, 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 pass it we have to. So usually you'll find a completion percentage for Wisconsin quarterbacks that's somewhere more in about the 70s or 80s realm just because it's, hey, we need six here, we're going to run a slant. Or it's, um, hey, we, we, we have to get the second down yardage. We're going to throw an out route or something like that. Uh, those, fir- those 14 incompletions by Mertz were almost – all on crucial downs and were and were not on the fault of the receiver, but were like horribly thrown balls. I put this game entirely on Mertz. And that seems harsh, but like Jalen Berger's kind of coming into his own in the run game for Wisconsin. And he he was averaging six yards a carry and he was playing he was playing some lights out football. But Mertz just missed so many opportunities that if he hits if he hits half of those balls that he threw at guys' feet, I think Wisconsin at least accidentally scores one more touchdown, and we're and we're at least going to overtime. Like, this was just a horrendous game to watch. Is if you like points, but <laughs> Wisconsin's defense is still damn good. Like, even after this game, they're second in the nation in SP plus behind only Clemson, and I know that they've only played four games, but like a two-loss team being second in the nation in defense shows that there is a fundamental issue with the quarterback position 
and the offense as a whole. And so Mertz has just been, I think, I think we all got a little bit too bought into a win over Illinois. <laughs> and in, in reality, we should have been like, yeah, they're playing Illinois. Let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit because he has looked, I know that he, I, I don't know if he himself, he, he did have COVID. He himself had COVID and the season's been so roller coasters as far as are we playing? Are we not? But, and, and he's only a red shirt freshman. So I am being too hard on him, but still he, he's been the reason that Wisconsin's lost twice and has yet to show anything even remotely resembling that Illinois game. And so uh pretty gross game. Shout out to the Hoosiers for having their best season ever and barely beating Wisconsin in one of their worst. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I felt a little salt there. No, 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 no. I, I was giving them props. All right. All right. I they did the damn thing. They won the game. I believe you. I believe you. Let's move on. No more Wisconsin talk. <laughs> Yeah, all right, that's fine. Uh, there's not really much else to say about this game, really. It's just nope, just a low-scoring battle that ended up in IU's favor. Yep, that's a good way to put it. Um, in other news, uh, I'm not going to go far into this at all. Actually, I'm not going to talk about it at all. But I did have it down just because of the statistical bearings behind it. Notre Dame beat Syracuse 45-21, to but more importantly, on senior night, Ian Book becomes the winningest QB at Notre Dame with 30 wins. And that's all I had to say about it. Yeah, um, looked kind of rough early from Notre Dame. I mean, after that first quarter, it was three to zero. Syracuse's defense looked at least competent in that one, in yeah. that one which they never should have. And then Notre Dame just turned on the Jets in the second quarter. So, I mean, and just kind of walked it down for the rest of the game. Syracuse got a couple touchdowns here and there. Uh, overall, what you'd expect from what will eventually be a playoff team? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, most most good teams, you know, they'll have one game where they have a slow start, blah, blah, blah. Uh, just happens sometimes and didn't affect Notre Dame at all. Obviously, 45-21 final, that's still a lot of points on the board. So, nothing to worry about there. Just game as usual for Notre Dame. And um, moving on, I had to bring this up because... They were one of my surprise teams of the year. Ooh, I hope this is going where I think it's going. The Stanford Cardinals. Oh, it's not. <laughs> they upset Washington. Still a great game. I had this in my notes to 26. as well. 31 to 26. Stanford. And you know what? Wasn't a great start for Stanford, but look, they won a game. They upset a, they upset a ranked team. Dude, you I really like Davis Mills. I know. I finally watched him a little bit because based on, and this is fair from me early in the season, I was like, I have no reason to watch the Stanford Cardinal this season. (laughs) But after this one, I was like, all right, fine. You got me. I'll go back and watch. And I really like where he puts the ball. Yeah. And really, uh, it was just kind of one of those things where Stanford just kind of hung on by a thread. They only scored a touchdown in the second half compared to the uh, 24 points they put up in the first half, and it was 24 to three, by the way, in the end of the first half. And all which of a is sudden, bonkers, man. Yeah, and Washington storms back, uh, but just couldn't get it done in the end. And Davis Mills, uh, yeah, he was 20 to 30, 252 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, more importantly, Austin Jones just ran the damn ball 31 carries, 138 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, really. Not not a bad game on either side. It was just more so Washington couldn't get it clicking until, you know, it was too late. And so uh, it, that's pretty much how it ended for them. And Stanford gets a big win. Probably their biggest win in like two years now. Oh, this is absolutely their best win they've had in a while. Stanford's been slipping for a, a minute and like, they really needed this one. Yeah, they did. They definitely did. And um, more on the Pac-12. Cal shockingly upsets Oregon, twenty-one to seventeen. Dude, the Pac-12 such a joke this season. What? Okay, come on, Ryan. When aren't they a joke? They're come always on. a joke, but like, it's they're especially jokey this season. Like, <laughs> I can't put it into words. Like, Cal has looked horrible this season. 
And then they beat who I thought was by far the best team in the conference. I just, I don't know what to say anymore. Welcome now Oregon's to the three and two with losses to Oregon state and Cal. And what I thought would be one of Oregon's better years in recent memory. Welcome to the PAC 12 where teams just eat themselves more than any other freaking conference, even more than the big 12. They do. It's brutal. It's brutal being in the PAC 12. Ever since freaking Chip Kelly left, it's just been a blunder of teams just eating at each other, not able to send a representative at all. It's rough. Uh, Something of note here. uh, Penai Sewell's little brother, Noah, uh, a true freshman, a five-star out of high school, led Oregon in tackles this game as a true freshman. Man, they're so blessed that those two kids chose their school because <laughs> Noah's going to end up being in a first-round pick as well. And, oh, boy, I, that's the only positive thing you can say about Oregon this this game, though. I mean, like, just just not great, man. <laughs> yeah, just just not a good game. And, you know, while we're, while we're on the Pac-12, we might as well just finish, wrap, wrap up the Pac-12 talk with uh, Ooh, USC. I know where this is going. The Trojans dominating Washington State. I know Ryan and I, we've been really shitting on the Trojans all year, but they've kind of told us to eat our words because... Played on Sunday, by the way. Yeah, that was was very odd, uh, getting those... I didn't even know they were playing on Sunday, and getting those notifications, I was like, what are they doing playing on Sunday? But... (laughs) uh, Unfortunately, the Trojans have made us eat our words. They've won every game they've had this season. Uh, they've, for the most part, looked good doing it. Uh, Slovis has another great game, 287 yards and five touchdowns, four of which come in the first quarter, though. I will say and all of which went to Amon Ross St. Brown in the first quarter. Right, and I don't know what that family puts in those kids' breakfast, but why? <laughs> Goodness, that that family is just blessed with talent. Yeah, some good genes with the St. Browns. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it really is a weird game for Amon Amon Ra because seven receptions, 65 yards, but four touchdowns. Like you have four touchdowns. You're thinking this dude has like obviously over a hundred yards, but he didn't even get there. It was it was just weird because he had what was it in the first quarter? Was it four touchdowns in the first four quarter? Four catches. Four catches for four touchdowns in the right. first quarter. Which is insane. That's just insane. And it's that wasn't even big numbers either. It was just, you know, red zone nope. touchdowns. A definition of a red zone threat. Yeah. So that family also gives out great first names. Yes, it does. Equitavia <laughs> St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. Man. There's another one at Stanford. There is, yeah. There's another one at Stanford. I can't think of his name though. No, nope. um, I'm sure it's cool. Watch it just be like Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the one lame name. Um, yeah, it, I, it it is. It's like another game where on paper it looks so much closer than what uh, it it really was. Uh, like for instance, Washington State they they had more first downs, more or Almost the same amount of total yards and um, uh, oh, the dominated. One at, the, one at, uh, the one at Stanford is Osiris. Osiris, that's right. They Look are at that. three for three on cool that names. That is just – I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> uh, Washington State also dominates the time of possession, but again, comes down to turnovers, three of them. And um, yeah, their defense just letting blow-by animations go on the whole – first quarter really hard to come out of a hole like that so yeah, time of possession i think only really matters in close games because when you're getting blown out and you win the time of possession it's just because you're farting around yeah while usc is taking four plays to score yep exactly um exactly the point just a better offense playing a worse defense really and that's all i gotta say about the trojans because USC is just not fun to talk about as an Irish fan, but got to do it. And I got to do it with an unbiased tone. So that's what I got to keep it on the West coast for one 
there's no analysis going on here, and I, I haven't had time to watch it yet, so we can't break it down. But New Mexico beat Wyoming. Ooh. Um, shocking. How far how Wyoming's fallen. In the post-Josh Allen years, they were just like so defense-centric. But to lose a football game where you were trying against New Mexico in 2020, like, dude, that is that is brutal, man. That is, I, I need to break this this game down and, and everything else that Wyoming has done because two and three, including a loss to previously zero and five New Mexico, I have to see what happened there because, oof, that's bad. Yeah, that's brutal. It's definitely brutal. Right, um, moving on, Wyoming bad. Moving on, we got a, another group of five school. This is the one that um, really just love to see. Georgia Southern defeats FAU 20-3. to um, I was shocked this wasn't closer. I, exactly. FAU, uh, prolific offense. I, to be fair, I have not checked in with FAU since – <laughs> since preseason so i don't know what's going on as far as the offense goes um i see that uh their their normal quarterback can't think of his name right now is definitely not starting so um don't know if he just took the year off or if he's injured but uh definitely more research i need to do into all of this because a lot of the players that i hyped up in the preseason aren't there Really, so. <laughs> and Regardless. also, like, Georgia Southerns looked like ass at times this season. Like, they barely yeah. beat Louisiana Monroe. They barely beat South Alabama. They barely beat Troy. They barely beat Texas State. Lost to Army and Georgia State. So, like, really bad look here for Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, to Georgia Southern's point, they're they're playing without uh, our boy Shea Words. Yeah, Shea Words, and so um, it, it's an interesting interesting season. They're seven to four, which is definitely a good record. Uh, considering too many close games to bad teams, though. Yeah, but considering the record last year, it's at least better. Um, Florida Atlantic still five and two, though. So things Why are going well. Funny? What? So one of Florida Atlanta's quarterbacks in this game, JV on Posey yeah. went seven of 15, a hundred yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. His QBR was still significantly higher than Grant Wells from Marshall's game. <laughs> that just goes to show you just how truly horrendous that Grant Wells' effort was in his game. Yeah. Uh, if you even want to make an even, even the same comparison, uh, Georgia Southern quarterback, Justin Tomlin, and albeit, you know, obviously Georgia Southern is not a passing team, but three of 12 for 70 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, still had a 32.8 QBR. That just goes by literally Ryan's fact that if you throw it in the dirt so many times, you still have a good QBR. So, or a better one than what Grant yeah. Wells put up. Yeah, not a good one, but yeah, a better one than Grant Wells put up. So, uh, just, just a you know notable thing there. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna go in on this one because it's whatever. I just really brought this one. I'm bringing this one up to piss off Ryan. NC State defeats Georgia Tech. Ah, oh, you dickhead! <laughs> to finish eight and three on the season with a big middle finger to Ryan Gregory uh, to show that that's what he gets for shitting on him the entire season. I feel no remorse about it. Georgia Tech is bad. <laughs> They're eight and three, Ryan. NC State finished eight and three. That's fine. In, whatever. In a season, you said they were going to be shit, and they weren't. <laughs> they weren't. They I know. Defied the odds. <laughs> Again, in this game, Jeff Sims is, is of uh, Georgia Tech is showing these flashes of he's going to be really, really good here soon. His run for his touchdown early in the earlier in the game. The only touchdown in the game, man, he is he is such a talent. I'm so excited to see him in this offense. If uh, if Jeff Collins stays at a Tech, I agree. I actually like the direction in which Georgia Tech is going. I know, I know a it's lot. It's hard of it, to rebuild from a triple. It's right, really hard. Right, and you know, 
Uh, as noted, I think I've said this before, and obviously if you've ever watched Tech this season or know anything about them, a lot of those triple guys, you know, they had to get moved to defense. And yep. so, um, you know, you're playing with a bunch of offensive guys hybrid to defense. And honestly, uh, they, they don't play too bad for being former offensive players. And uh, I, I do like the direction that Tech is going because, you know, from a, a school that, you know, wasn't ever like, you know, like incredible or anything, but, you know, they were usually a pretty good ACC school to see them fall off like that. And now it, it just seems like they're going in the right direction again. And uh, I, I'm really curious to see how that program develops in the years coming, especially oh, getting non-triple athletes and, uh, you know, ditching the Russell athletics <laughs> <laughs> jerseys, which... I know, I know people may not think about it, but it truly does matter for athletes. Branding really, really does matter. And having a Russell athletics brand, and I'll give it, I'll give it to this Georgia Atlanta is where Russell athletics, I believe is, is headquartered, but true. uh, Just saying it does not bode well when your team does not have a, a Nike and Adidas or an Under Armour uh, in these days. In these days, because people are just—it—it it sounds so material, but it's just true. It's just true. Look good, play good, and yeah, dude. Like you're recruiting seventeen and eighteen year olds. I think all the time, because of course this was something I daydreamed about when I was in high school. Like, how hard would it be to say no to like Virginia Tech and be able to enter every home game to enter Sandman? Like <laughs> that. That in and of itself would be like 20% of my recruiting pitch. Yeah. It's just like, how cool is it going to be to play there on Saturdays? <laughs> exactly. And if, you, it, if you show up in these stupid honeycomb Russell jerseys, <laughs> like Georgia Tech did for a little while, like you're, you're, you're already losing the battle. You are. And, the, you know, it, it just, yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty much it right there. I mean, and that's not to shit on Russell, but, Russell dominates the high school brand of the game. That's that's their main focus. That is, yeah. you know, it's not uncommon to see high school teams with pretty sleek Russell Athletics uniforms, and that's fine. But that transition into college uh, is definitely not one that's great for a program such as Georgia Tech, especially an ACC program. So, anyways, it's good to see them get off that. I know that's kind of completely off track, but it really does play into recruiting and stuff, so... Um, Dude, you'll you'll never guess what brand my high school wore for their football. What did they wear? <laughs> I don't even know if you would have heard of this. Beaver. Beaver. We wore Beaver oh, Athletics. I think I've heard of that. We wore Beaver jerseys. Beaver. Jer- <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, New Prairie. We got. We had some like really uh, solid Russell jerseys. They were just gold, but like they they did us pretty well. Ours was um, so ugly, dude. <laughs> They're brutal. They did this pretty well. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to them. Uh, they, they did this Bright pretty well. Bright red with blue piping all over it. It oh. was bad. Oh, God. They were ugly. I, You know, honestly, I can't tell you how excited I was in high school when I saw that we are basketball jerseys. For some reason, we got a sponsor from Adidas, and they actually... Oh, same. Yeah, they turned them into some pretty nice jerseys. I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, Heritage's uh, Adidas for basketball and Beaver for football. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So back to college football talk. <laughs> um, there's not there's not much left I had on the agenda, but uh, Virginia BC. Sure, why not? <laughs> sure. Worth noting. Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, you can you your can boys kick off over with there it. at. Your boys over there at BC lost by 11 to what I previously believed was like an average Virginia team. Certainly not like up to their usual standard, but certainly not horrible. Yeah, I wasn't. Sorry, had to mute myself, had to burp. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't have our guy uh, Jerkovic in this one. What, what was the dealio there? I actually don't know. 
I I just now see this because uh, I didn't I didn't actually pay attention to this game. Um, I, I His backup through three on. picks, so not great. Yeah, not great there. Uh, Dennis grows. Uh, if my quarterback's name is Dennis, I'm going into that game expecting to lose. Phil Jerkovich and David Bailey were out with injury uh, for this game. So hmm. that is what happened. I am not sure what injury. I don't think that it was very. All right. So this is less notable than than I thought. But this is also entering the game a four and four team versus a six and three team. So it's not like it's anything groundbreaking that Virginia uh, got this win, but uh, I thought Boston college is at least always notable this season because they have what will likely be a pro quarterback and, and a pretty solid new head coach. So only reason I bring it up. Yeah. I can't tell if this is a serious injury or not. Uh, Let's hope not. It doesn't seem like it uh, from, from what I'm reading from SI, uh, it was a lower leg injury, uh, but I don't think that it was incredibly serious. That's all I got, though, about it. <laughs> but Anything else you want to mention before we get to previews? <clears throat> yeah, uh, just one little quick thing. Uh, Missouri defeated Arkansas 50-48, to a very close game. Man, and... the refs screwed uh, Mizzou in this one, kicking out their linebacker yeah. for that quote-unquote targeting. Yeah, it was bad, man. Yeah, I agree. But Missouri comes out on top. Arkansas puts up (laughs) a lot of points. Uh, Weird to see Arkansas continue to put up points like that. But both of those teams are heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, Drinkwitz really has that team going. Um, Which, may I say, shocked. I did not think Drinkwitz was a a solid hire for Mizzou. I thought it was a... A perfect hire for Mizzou. Shit, I, for a team that needed something like like that, and you know this guy's a Southern guy, anyways. But um, it it's paid off. It really has. Um, I was just and, worried about like straight up lack of head coaching experience. Like Drinkwitz got a year at App and then jumped to Mizzou. That's and I was fair. like, oh guys, I get that he's like he's really good with with uh, the offensive play calling, but I don't know if I'd throw him the reins already and he is disproven both of these coaches I didn't think Pittman was a good hire either and both of these coaches have proven that they are they are correct for at least riding the ship because both of these teams looked pretty pretty destitute recently and seeing them duke it out like this and not like not in a bad way not like a both these teams suck and (laughs) the defenses just can't do anything to stop them this was legitimately good football and just happened to be a barn burner. And so this was, if nothing else, a, a a nod to the future of potentially some SEC, at least competent teams. Yeah. And Arkansas did it without Felipe Franks. KJ Jefferson started uh, 274 yards, three touchdowns. Not too bad. And Missouri. I really like what I'm seeing from, from Bayslack. Uh Weren't they one of your preseason teams? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, Larry Roundtree is that guy. He's yeah, so good. he is. He is. And but but uh, Basilak, he is. I think they got something in him uh, in the future. Here. What about your guy, Sean Robinson? Yeah, he he fizzled out. <laughs> I, maybe he should just convert to running back or something. I. That's just based solely on the fact that he has played at TCU, got benched. You know, like <laughs> went to Mizzou, uh, got benched, got benched. There's, it's, it's literally just the same thing, uh, same story. Albeit, maybe the issue isn't the offenses. Maybe yeah. the issue is, our yeah, boy. yeah, and that's like the similar circumstance as um, Tate Martell, except Sean Robinson actually got to play. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just maybe just get the hint that you're just not good at quarterbacking uh, in football. Uh, you know, uh, no, no analysis here, but a necessary shout out. Ball State is tied for their division lead after a win over Jim McElwain, Central Michigan. They're. Did you see <laughs> those unis? Oh, they were fresh. I oh my god! I watched a little bit of that game, not much, but I watched some. And 
man, Ball State might mess around and win the Mac West. <laughs> I know. I know. Big shout I, out to them. If, if they if they win again this coming Saturday, then I will devote some film time to them and I will break them down on the next top. <laughs> For right now, I'm just like, congrats, guys! You're four and one, and you beat what I thought was one of the best teams in the MAC. So, yeah, and uh, I know we don't. You know, talk about the Mac, and that's that's for for reasons. It's for but, good reason. But it is notable. Buffalo became Buffalo's ranked. Buffalo's damn good for the oh, yeah, first they got time. By the AP. Yeah, in school history, Buffalo is ranked, and for the first time in school history, uh, Kent State's three and one. They've looked pretty well. Dustin Crum uh, for Eisman, baby. He is so good. He is very good. He's going to be a pro. He's going to be a pro. I can see it. I can see it. There's, you know, there's a lot of little Kent State guys that end up making the pros, you know. Now, I didn't say starter in the pros, but Dustin Crum will be a pro. That's true. But the Kent State, they breed some quarterbacks, man. <laughs> they do. They truly do. Who's their quarterback immediately before Crum? That runner that was super fun. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. I, I don't fucking... Kent State never won, but they were always at least fun because... <laughs> Man, what was his name? I don't oh, know. It's, it's gonna kill me, but yeah, the Mac actually he was looked a hell good of a this time. year. The Mac has looked good this year. Western Michigan's four and one as well. Um, I'm gonna go find this stat, this this guy real quick as you buy some time for me. Yeah, uh, the Mac has more winning schools than probably what they did last year so far. Woody so, Barrett. Woody, Woody Barrett. Barrett. Just ran the damn thing and threw it when he had to. Loved him. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference is Crumb can throw and run. So Yeah, he is he is a horrifying person. Love to see it. He's a great player. Great player. All right. Anything else we need to mo- to mention here? No, I think that pretty much pretty much wraps it all up. This is this has definitely been a fun one. Uh really good to just get some of my aggression out early on. <laughs> really You should have heard him before we got into this. <laughs> Oh man, just fired up about Cincy Iowa State. I really was. There's a lot of f bombs. We're we're glad that it probably didn't air because there had been a lot of work that our uh, producer and Alex Burr would have to do, and so <laughs> uh, he's probably a little happy he doesn't have to do any editing there, and so. Yeah, I, I just uh, this is a really good episode. Great to get back to it. Um, yeah, man, feels good. Yeah, uh, definitely needed the break from school to to sit down and do this. So, yeah, definitely a great time with you, Ryan. And this has been a As great always, episode. Bud. And uh, make sure to follow us uh, on Twitter. Give us any recommendations if you do so choose. And. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. So let's been go. been a live podcast from the Rona Zone. From the Rona Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All so right. uh, let's go, Cincy. Have a great probably weekend. And uh, yeah, have fun. We'll catch you later.